substances which can be detected in the blood of pregnant women herald the onset of preeclampsia. That's according to a clinical study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, which followed earlier scientific work from Dr. Karamanchi's group in Boston. The new study has found that high levels of the anti-angiogenic substances, soluble FLT1 and soluble endoglin, are correlated with the onset of preeclampsia. On the telephone line from the National Institutes of Health in Washington, Richard Levine told me about his findings and the hopes they hold out. But first, I asked him about the causes of preeclampsia. The best that people who studied the disease will agree on is that there is a factor that comes from the placenta and it gets into the mother's bloodstream and causes generalized endothelial dysfunction. And this results in hypertension and proteinuria and sometimes damage to other organ systems which could wind up with kidney failure, liver failure, liver rupture, um, generalized convulsions, or a, uh, an intravascular coagulopathy. Now, you've been conducting a study, the Calcium for Preeclampsia Prevention Trial. Could you tell me a little bit about this and how you got on to talking about this substance called endoglin? Yes. Well, the trial of calcium for preeclampsia prevention was a trial where women in the treatment group were given two grams daily of supplemental calcium. And uh, basically that study, which was designed to see if calcium supplementation would uh, reduce the incidence of preeclampsia or the severity of the, of the disease, was totally negative. There was absolutely no effect on preeclampsia. However, we had collected blood and urine specimens from these women generally about three times during their pregnancy uh, and sometimes also after they developed the, the preeclampsia. So we had these specimens and they were uh, sitting in the freezer at minus 70 degrees centigrade. You were onto anti-angiogenesis as a potential mechanism. Yes, and first soluble FLT1 as a powerful anti-angiogenic compound uh, that had these effects. And this compound was made in the placenta largely and released from the placenta. Uh, later work indicated that soluble endoglin was a similar substance also made largely in the placenta and released into the maternal blood. And what we did in our recent publication was that we showed that both of these factors are required, um, high levels of both of them are generally required to produce severe early onset preeclampsia. This is the form of the disease that is most dangerous um, because not only can it cause um, uh, severe problems for the mother, but the only cure for preeclampsia at present is to deliver the baby. And if the disease begins early in pregnancy, then the baby might have to be delivered uh, very prematurely and um, would be in danger of death or a severe disability. Now let me get you to run me through some of the findings because it seems that there was a three to four-fold increase in endoglin levels uh, over and above uh, what might normally be expected. Yes, uh, th that is correct. Um, 
women who would subsequently develop preeclampsia had elevated endoglin levels beginning as early in pregnancy as 17 to 20 weeks of gestation. But what we found, as we had found previously for soluble FLT1, was that the closer the individual was to the onset of preeclampsia, the higher the levels of soluble endoglin that were found in their blood. And these levels rose, reaching a peak when the disease began. So that was good evidence for suggesting that these molecules are intimately involved in the pathogenesis of the disease and we think are required for the disease to begin. Could I bring you on to the clinical implications the, of yes, the work the so far? Yes, the clinical implications are these. We think that knowing that these molecules are what we think is the final common pathway, the proximal cause of the disease, that we can design drugs to block them or therapies to block these molecules, reduce the level of these molecules, or supply additional amounts of the growth factors that they uh, remove from the circulation, and that this would cure the disease. In other words, a woman with preeclampsia uh, beginning to have severe high blood pressure, her uh, blood pressure might be able to be brought lower and her proteinuria disappear, and uh, perhaps her pregnancy could continue for another few weeks or a month or, or more until the baby has grown to be uh, sufficiently large and uh, mature that it could be safely delivered. And number two would be that identifying uh, these uh, molecules in the blood might be a good indicator of who is at risk to develop the disease soon. Uh, so that we could pinpoint women who uh, were at high risk of developing the disease and focus on these women, make sure that they would be in uh, situations where they could receive appropriate medical care should they, in fact, develop preeclampsia, and that they could also, these women, uh, be spotted right away if they develop preeclampsia and so that they could receive steroids to mature the fetal lung uh, in preparation for an early delivery should that be required. Then the third thing is that there are certain diseases that have similar symptoms to preeclampsia but are not preeclampsia, and that high levels of these markers might be able to distinguish what is preeclampsia from other diseases that mimic preeclampsia but are not preeclampsia. That was Richard Levine from the NIH in Bethesda, Maryland talking to me about his group's findings published in the New England Journal of Medicine. For the Audio Journal of Fertility, I'm Peter Goodwin.